Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Identify your sphere of influence and then once you identify the sphere of influence, you know what type of groups you can target or connect with. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners. And they provide short-term fix-and-flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. Joining me today, Theo Hicks for follow on Friday like we usually do. How you doing, my friend? Doing good, Joe. A little under the weather, so hopefully my sniffling and coughing is um, to a minimum. You haven't been coughing much, so that's good. The sniffling, I think we can handle. The coughing... The, the coughing the, will be the, very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> We've got some listener questions. <clears throat> we have the four surprising ways to raise money. I'm sure that is an intriguing topic for anyone looking to scale their real estate investing business. <laughs> and we have some other updates so let's get going. How do we want to get started? Uh, let's start with the main topic today, which, as you mentioned, is four surprising ways to raise money for apartment buildings. Okay. These four ways are ways that I've come across in my own experiences, and they're ways that aren't talked about often, if at all, when the topic is discussed. So I'll list the four, and then we'll talk through it a little bit. Number one is... Call, don't just email. Number two is have your significant other with you. Number three is to identify your spheres of influence. And number four is go out of your way to accommodate. So those are the four. And let's talk about each of them. One is call, don't just email. Here's a story. Two years ago... I got an email from 
someone through my contact us page and loyal best ever listeners you're gonna remember this story from way long ago i've mentioned it but it's good to be reinforced on the story and if you haven't heard about it then here's a new one a couple of years ago i got a message via my contact us page and it simply said i'm interested in hearing about your investments blah 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 the person's mm-hmm. name and i replied we talked we had a good conversation and he had heard about me from I was being interviewed on someone else's podcast Marco Santarelli a cash flow podcast he does turnkey rental properties and this prospective investor he and I connected we had a phone conversation he said keep me posted on new deals i said okay i will well, i sent him the next deal that we were doing and he was initially interested but then he said he needs some time to review it and take a look at it well i didn't hear back from him and i emailed him a couple times and i still didn't hear back from him and the fundraising portion was closing out but it wasn't completely closed so instead of continuing to email him which a lot of people might do and i used to do i decided here's a novel approach let me pick up the phone and i'll call him and lo and behold he answered i talked to him and he said oh yeah i've been meaning to review it so i've been traveling a lot let me take a look at it and then we'll go over it together i said okay great so we jumped on a call and we went over it well he invested a relatively small amount in that <clears throat> deal any amount of investment is large i get that but i'm saying relative to the overall raise it was relatively small amount and that deal ended up being the first of many deals that we've done with him and he has now invested approximately 18 million dollars with us. Wow. And I guarantee that if I hadn't had called him and simply talked to him versus me just being lazy behind my computer eating Cheetos and watching TV, I don't do one of those things. I do eat Cheetos, but I don't watch TV. <laughs> then i might not have ever <coughs> had this relationship with mm-hmm. him and in fact this past weekend frank my business partner and i toured three properties that we have just with him and his family we went over the business plan and the updates call don't just email and the important thing to note and this is where we got to use the context clues that we come across the important thing to note is identify which communication method is most effective with the individual because sometimes people on email sometimes phone calls sometimes facebook message i don't do facebook messages with investors but who knows that might be something for someone and i tend to see now i'm going to make a generalization which i hate generalizations because every generalization you can identify ways that you're not correct but i will say generally speaking the older an individual is the more likely a phone call is the best communication mm-hmm. method versus email generally speaking in this case though this individual is in his uh, late 30s but just so busy running around traveling yeah. and stuff that's how it works so call don't just email it's a story yeah number 2 is be involved with your spouse spouse yeah yep or your significant <laughs> other this is incredibly effective because ultimately people invest with you and then the deal and 
it's nice to know who the general partner is spending most of their time with and what type of people do they attract and what type of characters does a spouse have because it's just good to know more about the individual because ultimately when people invest with you they're investing their hard-earned dollars that they spent earning throughout their life and they want to make sure that the person that they're investing with and the company they keep mm-hmm. are good people so that's a point that it's not only helped in my business where Colleen and I will go to dinners with our investors go to lake houses or football games or whatever but also people who are in my consulting program when they bring in their significant others just in a social setting not from a let me ask Colleen about the operations of this property she has no clue cuz she's not involved in that aspect of it but just in a social setting getting to know each other it's worked out and it's helped develop stronger relationships and friendships with not only my investors but people who I mm-hmm. consult with their investors too I guess another note on that I think it's Dave Thompson your client he has a decent percentage of his investors came from his wife's actual network so it's not even the social aspect but you know, your wife or significant other might know people that are high net worth individuals like for example I know for me if I ever raise money, most of the funding will probably come from Marcella's network versus my network. It's because she works in a large corporation and knows a lot of people have already expressed interest in not investing with us, but like, oh, wow, I can't believe you have the time to invest in real estate. Like, I love to do that. I don't have the time. Which mm-hmm. is kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's someone who would potentially be interested in being a private money investor. So mm-hmm. that's another option as well as using their network to get investors. And that's exactly how I got started. Mm-hmm. When I was in advertising, people said, how are you able to do what you're doing while well, you have your full-time job? And then I taught a class and then mm-hmm. went from there. Number three is identify your sphere of influence. And then once you identify the sphere of influence, you know what type of groups you can target or connect with. For example, when... I got started, it was advertising agency professionals, it was people who were on the alumni advisory board with me at Texas Tech University, it was people who I played intramural sports with, flag football and softball. And once I know those areas or spheres of influence have been identified, advertising, Texas Tech, alumni advisory board and intramurals, then I talked to someone in those networks Once I talk to one person who's interested, word of mouth starts being generated. And the work is done for me because assuming that I'm delivering on expectations or exceeding the expectations, people talk about what they're doing that's successful. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a deal, then still having those conversations with some influencers in those networks, then having that name check oh well i know you know theo we play softball he's on our softball team he and i were talking about this and xyz just saying that helps with social credibility and that's a way you can raise more money and lastly number four is to go out of your way to accommodate for example and this is an example where we had existing deals that investor has invested in but i'll give you an example of if you're just starting out. But let me just say this real quick. I have an investor who 
has invested in multiple deals of mine and hadn't visited the properties yet because he doesn't live in Dallas-Fort Worth or Houston. So he and his business partner asked if they could visit the property. I said, yes, absolutely. We'll set up a tour. I gave him a document that listed out his point of contact, the LinkedIn profile for the point of contact, because he's also looking at a new deal we had, the broker who was meeting him, his LinkedIn profile, his phone number, his email, the community manager for each of the properties he was visiting, their LinkedIn profile, if they had one, their phone number and email, and the district manager who is going to be meeting him, her email, her LinkedIn profile. And I also set up the flow for how I recommended he visit the properties based on where they are geographically. Mm-hmm. He was blown away. It wasn't just, oh yeah, sure, go check it out. Here's your point person. It was a nice document with times that I recommend he go to each of the places with the contact information so that he could simply know exactly who he was meeting with and do some research on them ahead of time if he chose to do so. That's the type of stuff that goes a long way in addition to obviously performing on the properties and meeting or exceeding expectations. But assuming that's the case, how else are you differentiating your company from other people's. Now, if you don't have a deal and you're raising money for your first deal, then how do you apply this? How do you apply the going out of your way to accommodate investors? Well, how you can apply that is by being lightning quick in response time to your investors with thoughtful, substantive answers. One email I don't like is if I email someone and they say immediately, sure, I'll get on that. For some reason, some people have a different opinion on this. I'll just say why I don't like it. I don't like it because I would rather not receive another email from someone with a non-answer. I would prefer to have an email with the answer in a timely manner. So instead of my recommendation, and again, other people have a different opinion on this. My recommendation, if someone emails you a question, my recommendation is if you can address it within a day, and get the answer within a day, then don't reply immediately. My recommendation is you reply within that day with the answer. That way they're not getting bombarded with a couple emails. You agree. I can hear you. You're saying, yeah. yeah. Other people I've come across like, Joe, why didn't you reply immediately letting me know you were on it? This was in my advertising days, by the way, not real estate. And My mistake at that time was if it takes longer than a day for me to reply to get the good answer, then I should have said, yes, I acknowledge this and I will get your response by XYZ day. So being lightning quick, every investor of mine will be able to tell you that I have to be one of the most responsive people they've ever come across. Would you agree? I mean, you work with me. Responsive, yeah. I'm pretty responsive, just pretty responsive. (laughs) Very responsive. All right, (laughs) that's something I pride myself on, but it's not responding quickly for the sake of responding. That's where we need to make the distinction. It's responding with a substantive answer that addresses the question, not just responding and being more noise that the individual has to deal with during their day. I think the idea of if you don't plan on providing them with an answer or getting them whatever it is they need within a day, then you can say, I'll get it to you, you know, Friday, end of the day. But if you're going to send it to them in five minutes, there's no reason to be like, all right, I'll send it to you in five minutes and then send them another email because, again, yeah, that's just 
bombarding it. You know, there's so many emails, and we kind of talked about it earlier about calling and not emailing. Probably one of the reasons why is because you get so many emails, we don't look at all of them, especially if it's something that we know is not going to be substantive. And if we're known to be like that, then maybe it's an important email we missed. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah. Cool. So those are the four. One, call, don't just email. Two, involve your significant other. And I clarified how to involve the significant mm-hmm. other. Three is identify your spheres of influence and target one individual. Word of mouth will go from there. And four is go out of your way to accommodate. Yep. All right, so we got two best ever listener questions. The first, before I ask it, I want to get some context because if I just ask this question, it makes no sense. And so it was a response to a blog post. Eliminate 99% of your competition with this simple real estate strategy, which is based off of an interview Joe did, episode 1106, so many episodes, where he interviewed Daniel Amaduri. And then basically what he did is he had a three-step process for eliminating competition and step one was identifying some problem in the market that no one wants to address or everyone kind of avoids. In his particular case, the first thing that he identified was foundation issues. And he said moving forward, he basically asked brokers instead of any deal that people don't want. But in particular, the first idea was foundation issues. And then step two is after you identify the issue, find the solution. And in his case, the solution was that the cost to address these foundation issues were a lot less than what most people actually thought mm-hmm. and what he actually thought. And he stumbled across this by accident, actually. And then step three is become the go-to guy in the market for that specific type of property. And you do that by basically reaching out to anyone that you know, brokers, other investors, to say, hey, if you find a deal that has foundation issues, let me know I want that deal. So with that context in mind, a question asked by Aaron was, I'm always a proponent of finding solutions to create opportunity. In regards to apartments, do you have some specific problems we can look at, we can look to specialize in? Similar to the lines of what Daniel did with his foundation issues. Ultimately, you're looking to get a deal and having a competitive advantage in acquiring a deal. That's Mm -hmm. the root of this question. And so I'm going to address the root of the question Because the direct answer to your question, Aaron, is do I have specific problems we can look to specialize in for apartments? My short answer is it depends on the market and depends on what issues are prominent in your market that are turning people away from potential deals. In Texas, it could be foundation. In the Northeast or Midwest, it might be something else weather-related for cold weather. I don't know. So... Let me address the root of your question, that is how do we get competitive advantages with our deals and how can you? And a lot of best ever listeners might remember the story where we purchased a 300 plus unit property, 90% were one bedrooms, and then that was on market. So it was an incredibly competitive situation. However, we looked across the street saw the property was primarily twos and three bedrooms, 200 plus units. And we saw an opportunity to get that off-market deal, combine it with this on-market deal and gain competitive advantage because guarantee no one else thought about that. And we purchased both of those together Mm -hmm. and we're operating it with efficiencies plus we're able to get a good price instead of paying a premium because it was marketed deal and the bids were going up and up on just Mm -hmm. the 300 unit. So the answer is look across the street from the property that you want to buy and see if you can combine the two 
and get an off-market deal combined with an on-market deal, have economies of scale with the operations, and be able to operate it more effectively and, and make more money that way. As far as specific problems, look in your specific area. I think that's a sub-market specific mm-hmm. question. Yeah, and I believe in Daniel's situation, he just kind of stumbled across his by accident. But when you asked him, how do you identify these issues? You just ask the investors and the brokers in your area, you know, what don't people, what are yeah. people buying? And then great, great You'll get the responses and then you'll know what it is. There you go. That's a great point. Yep. All right, so the second question is by Carolyn. And she asks, whenever you're presenting a project to investors, are you able to share past performance slash distributions for any of your past or current holdings in progress? So actual versus projected. Yeah, you can. Now, I can because I don't have a REIT. I was interviewing someone, I forget their name, on our show. And I don't think the interview's aired yet. Mm -hmm. It's going to be aired next month or so. He has a REIT. And he said that he can't discuss past performance of deals in the disclosures, which is mind-boggling to me. And again, (coughs) I haven't done my research on REIT, so I'm not sure. But I can tell you, because it's likely that everyone on this show isn't creating a REIT, it's more just let's just get some deals done and let's register them with the SEC as we should as either a 506B or 506C. Yeah, you can show past performance on deals, and we certainly do. We have case studies. I have a spreadsheet that shows that we have hit or exceeded the quarterly returns for all of Ashcroft's portfolio. And it shows the projected versus the actual and something we're proud of. And we can show that absolutely for deals that we've already closed on. If we are currently under contract with the deal, and someone asks us, what's your past performance for deals? Then I can do that too. There's many things I can't do. But one of the things I can't do from an SEC standpoint is I can't publicly solicit via this podcast. I can't say we have XYZ deal available right now. If you're interested, email me. I can't do that. But I can talk about what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And all this being said, I'm not an attorney. Blah, 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 blah. Go talk to an attorney, if, if securities attorney in particular, if you want more clarification. These are just my non-legal comments. Okay, cool. All right, so I can close the listener questions. Let's move into some updates and observation. What you got going on in the business, Joe? I was in Dallas this past weekend. I spoke at the Memphis Invest Conference with Chris Clothier mm-hmm. and with Jesse. He's the owner of the Atlanta Hawks, him's wife. And Than Merrill, he's a popular real estate guy. I had dinner with him and Chris last week. Really enjoyed that and saw some of you all there. Thanks for coming to introduce yourself to me. I enjoyed that. And then also we've got a deal that will be closing in approximately December 5th. And due diligence going great on that. We actually just got back the appraisal. And it appraised for $1.3 million more than wow. what we're buying it for. So that's great to see the spread there. And the focus is just continuing to make sure our current portfolio performs. We're actually about to send out our monthly emails to our investors. We'll send that out after we get done recording this. 
and things going great. Working on a refinance on one of our deals, and that should be complete at the end of this month. So let's say the appraisal came back above the purchase price. If it came back below the purchase price, is that something that you're allowed to go back and renegotiate, or is that something that will allow you to back out of the deal? Is that something that you would even do, or would you just continue kind of moving forward, even though the appraisal is a little bit lower than you expected? You have multiple questions. There are different types of answers because they're different questions. Your first question was, are you allowed to go back to the appraiser and talk to them? You can contest whether okay. that will or won't be effective. I don't know. Depends. But you can contest, oh, wait, how you valued it on this. I have supporting documentation. You can see where that goes. Two, you can go back to the seller anytime. Okay. It's up to him or her to decide if you are going to win that argument. And ultimately, it boils down to what leverage do you have over them and what do they have over you. Okay. If you're non-refundable on earnest money, then you don't have much leverage. They'll say, oh, no, thank you. And then you can decide if you want to continue to pursue or not. If you're refundable and you just got some due diligence costs sunk into it, depends on how much it is, maybe, I don't know. And if it does go below, then a lender is obviously going to take note of that. So you'll either have to bring additional money at closing or decide that you don't want to close or figure it out. Makes sense. Cool. Now, what's going on with your properties? So let's see. As I talked about last week, we got three, four unit properties I purchased about two months ago and having some issues with the boilers in one of the properties and stuff, been back and forth from the properties for the past couple of days, working with the contractors to get the radiators fixed up. And it's funny because for liability purposes, they won't move anyone's stuff. And I keep putting notes on the resident stores to move their stuff away from the radiators so they can have access to it. And they keep not doing it. Mm-hmm. So I keep have to go over there during the day, move stuff out of the way, and then at night, they'll move all their stuff back. <laughs> and so they'll come back the next day and move it again. And so I haven't got a call yet today, but I'm hoping that, because today's the last day, I'm hoping that they didn't do it last night. Because I emailed all of them. I had the contractor talk to all of them when they came back. How many sure. different res? It's four. Four different apartments. Yeah. And all four are moving their stuff back? It's almost... Yeah. That's strange. Fortunately, two of them are just tables, but you know, one person's got these little bases and pottery stuff everywhere, and so I'm like moving them and hoping I'm not breaking anything. But I think it was the first day that was most stressful because I had no idea what would actually happen because I know they told me these are the problems, but I just figured once they started opening things up, they might find additional problems. And of course they did, and they had to go in a basement and drill through this concrete slab in order to pull out one of the pipes and the radiators. And then when they're in the basement, they found a leak from one of the showers, so I had to get that fixed too. But they should be wrapped up today. They're going to refill the boiler, and fingers are crossed that it actually works. Mm-hmm. And that the boiler itself isn't damaged or needing repair or replacement, because that'll be a pretty big price tag. And then I'm going to schedule, obviously, the other radiators and boilers and the other properties to get looked at in the coming weeks. Just make sure everything's good there to pay up front so that moving forward, all it takes is an inspection. Mm-hmm. I know some good news. I mean, very, very minor good news. But another one of the units, their bathroom sink was like clogged and like it's not unclogging at all. So we're going to place some plumbing in there. And for some reason, the way the plumbing set up, it goes like into the kitchen. And so we have to pull up the countertop and the cabinets in the kitchen. But the problem is, is like the countertops, like one of those old ones where you, they put down a piece of plywood and then put like tile on top of it. Mm-hmm. So he said he need to buy a new countertop and a new sink because when I pull this off, it's going to break. 
And that was like, you know, 300 bucks. But right before I walked in here, he called me and said, oh, he pulled it off and it worked perfectly fine. I was like, okay, well, I saved $300. I can, small know, give, wins, baby. Give, give these boiler people. So yeah, it's a small win. <laughs> How much is going to cost boiler people? Thirty four hundred bucks is it would have been initially, but after they had to drill into the ceiling and do all that, it was probably above four grand just for that one building. To replace a boiler entirely is about ten to fifteen grand, depending on the size. But and you've so got hopefully, I don't have to do that. You got a couple of quotes for this one right here. I did not get a couple of quotes, but for the next two, I'm going to bring people in. Because the people that are fixing this one were already doing repairs, and they already knew what needed to be done, and so I didn't have to pay for you know the inspection or anything like that. But moving forward, yeah, I'm getting multiple quotes because I have no idea if what they're charging me is too high or not. So I'll find that out here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And then one other thing, I'm looking at another fourplex today oh. to potentially buy. It's in the same area. For some reason, it's listed at 170. It's the same setup as the properties I just bought for 220. Unfortunately, it's one of those things where I thought I could just go in there like right when it's listed and buy it like these ones, but they're doing like an open house this day, an open house this day, and we're looking at all the offers next Tuesday, and then we're going to pick the best one. They're smart. They are smart. (laughs) (laughs) It's annoying to me, but that's a really good idea. And so I'll probably have to go in above list price, but I'm going to take a look at it and apply all the lessons I learned from this property to this property when I'm looking at it. So I'm going to look at the radiators, look at the plumbing in the basement and make sure that there's no issues. But no, we're ready to buy another property. We have enough to get, you know, a $220,000 fourplex again. That's what mm-hmm. we're going to search for. And I talked to my realtor today. And if we don't get this property, she's going to send out a direct mailing campaign for us. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got going on. Excellent. And October 22nd? October 22nd, I'm getting married, yeah. You're getting married? Theo's <laughs> getting married. I am. I don't know if it's your engineering background or what, but my buddy, who also recently got married, I was having a conversation with him, one of my best friends from high school, and an hour and a half into it, someone else had to mention, oh, and we call him Worm. Worm, aren't you getting married? He's like, oh, yeah, I got engaged, too. (laughs) It's like, what? And Theo got engaged a couple months ago. About a month ago, yeah. Had no clue. I don't know how I found out. I think Samantha on our team told me or something, because you mentioned in passing. And now I just found out through Samantha that he is getting married in <laughs> getting married the twenty second, a week, couple weeks or a week. Next, yeah. next next Saturday, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. The same thing happened to my neighbors too. I was outside and I'm talking to them. Like, oh, you got any plans in the next couple of weeks? It's like I'm getting married. <laughs> They're like, oh my god! Everyone comes. Like, then of course, like, I don't know how. Like maybe everyone heard it or somehow. It's like a bunch of people start coming out. Like, oh, what's going on? And the guy's like, oh, Theo's getting married. <laughs> like, oh my god! It's like no, the whole neighborhood knows. <laughs> well, congratulations. But, thank you. All right, so just a couple of miscellaneous housekeeping. So best ever conference. We still got the $100 discount for those, early bird special, until Halloween. Halloween. Yep. So make sure you go to besteverconference.com to book your ticket. And that's in in February in Denver again. Mm -hmm. And then we've been publishing some articles on Forbes.com. So we're going to start mentioning the most recent article in here. And so the most recent article that we had published was entitled, Should I Buy an Investment Property in the Flood Zone? In response to the recent hurricanes that occurred so go check that out and i'll put a link in this youtube video and then we'll get a link in the the show notes as well and finally we're continuing to do our best ever shout outs so make sure you go to the best ever community on facebook and post what you would want us to shout out on the podcast and then we select someone at random this week the person we that i guess won is george emans and the shout-out that he wanted us to read was North Star Realty. It's a family-owned and operated real estate company 
focused on property management and investment sales. We are a great solution for people looking to invest in the Cincinnati market who do not live here. Check out amangeo.com for information about our company and our management group. And I might actually check you guys out because I would like to start looking at property management companies in Cincinnati just in case something were to happen that I just want to put my properties under management. So, cool. There you go. Interesting website URL for a company called North Star Realty. Yeah, I didn't want to try to pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for joining us. I hope you have a best ever weekend. I'm headed to Baltimore with Colleen because a couple months ago, Southwest Airlines had a wow sale. It was about $30 to fly to two cities, and one of them was Baltimore. We hadn't been there together. Nice. We're going to Baltimore this weekend, meeting up with some people, and going to be enjoying Baltimore. Have a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com.